Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SCADcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matt Nickley. Today, we are joined by the SCAD Savannah Film Festival's Variety Creative Impact and Costume Design Award honoree, Sandy Powell. This is the first time this award was presented, and Powell is the perfect candidate. She's been nominated for a staggering 15 Best Costume Design Academy Awards, won three, and was twice doubly nominated in the same category. She's helped define modern costume design, employing tremendous research with personal flair unique to each character. She's the go-to designer for directors Todd Haynes and Martin Scorsese, and has stitched her iconic mark in lauded films including Shakespeare in Love, Orlando, Gangs of New York, The Aviator, Carol, The Wolf of Wall Street, and The Favorite. Paula Wallace sat with Powell surrounded by sketches of some of her most memorable designs. The two break down the collaborative team system in a costume department and the behind the scenes of how so many Powell looks came to be. From SCADcast, this is On Creativity, a conversation between Paula Wallace and Sandy Powell. Sandy, it is such a thrill to have you back at SCAD, and congratulations on being the inaugural recipient of the Variety Award here at the SCAD Savannah Film Festival. Thank you. Thank you. Our students are inspired by hearing how highly acclaimed artists found their path, and I am too. So will you share some of your early successes as a young professional? Hmm. Well, it depends what you mean by success, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, my, yeah, my definition of that might be different success. I mean, I think an early success is actually getting a job in the first place. You know, when you're at college, or you're it still is. at college and you can't imagine what it's going to be like. And, you know, it's your first job is, is, you know, incredibly exciting. That's what everyone aims to do is get a job and get paid for doing the thing that you've learned how to do. Mm-hmm. And you talked about some of your first jobs with Caravaggio, but um, anything else that comes to mind? Um, I talked earlier, what, my very first job in the field was actually when I was still at school, I was 16 and it was the um, summer holidays and mm-hmm. I got a job in the National Theatre sweeping the floor mm-hmm. in the cutting department. <laughs> so that's how low I started, <laughs> sweeping, the, sweeping up the, the scraps of fabric. You know, if you do a job well, then you're noticed and hopefully you get Well, exactly. Promoted. And then I said, well, I can sew that button. I can do that hem. And I started doing little bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, realized that was a, a, an environment actually working in. That was my first experience of working in a workroom and seeing how, how things came together. And I guess that was, that was pretty inspirational and exciting as a, as a very first job as a 16-year-old. Yes, because you observe what's going yeah. on in the, yeah. in the workroom. That's, that's the advice I give most people is be prepared to start at the bottom. And even if you're doing something you don't think has got anything to do with the job you want to do in the end, but if you're in that world, if you're in the department, you just keep your eyes open and your ears open and you watch and you see how it's done. And you'll be tapped. And you'll be tapped. And if you have common sense and you're bright, you get noticed. Sure. That's hard work. I heard you explain earlier today in your masterclass that you prefer costume design over fashion because it's more collaborative. And I think that the costume designer must be one of the first people to read the script because 
you know, you have to plan out the scenes and what the characters are going to be wearing. So you're really in on the ground floor of how this is going to evolve and, and how it's going to look eventually. That's true. Costume design and production design, we sort of start at the same time. Yeah. Um, much, I mean, way ahead of makeup and hair, for instance, because usually the makeup and hair designers come in sort of somewhere towards the latter half of the of the preparation period where the costume designers already sort of got made a headway with the characters. So in an ideal world, the hair and makeup people come in and then work with the costume designer on what we've already achieved with the actors. Um, but yeah, we do start very early on in the process. I was wondering, you mentioned the production designers and the, the way the costume looks in the setting is so important. Like I was mm -hmm. thinking about Jane in Mothering Sunday and how she comes into that dark hall with the red coat on and the oh, muted yeah. burgundies just kind of convey something about the atmosphere and the personality of that house. And then she comes in kind of brave and, you know, the attention is on her. Mm -hmm. um, that's so important as it's to how, really important. because the, the clothes aren't in isolation, they're in a, a setting. Yeah. I mean, I also think not just the setting, but who else is in the scene. Yeah. So you don't think of a character um, or an actor in isolation. You don't think of what they're wearing just on their own. You have to think, well, hang on, what else is happening? Who else is in the scene? Are there people in the background? What, 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 what's behind the people in the background? What does it look like as a whole? You have to think of, I think of it as, as a picture as a whole, not just the one little part. Yes. In isolation. Although, in real life, I guess we all just think of what we're looking like. I don't actually think of what I'm going to look like in a setting. And I don't think, oh, I wonder what Paul is going to be wearing. Maybe I'll wear this. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I actually think we made the right choices. We, we look great together. Yeah, we got them <laughs> what are, do you ever include any little secret things in, in the garments that maybe nobody else sees, but you include? I not particularly, no, I don't do that. I mean, I, I am very aware of um, what gets seen and what is necessary. I don't actually waste any time or money on things that aren't going to get seen. Now, I know there are people, designers, who will, you know, want to make sure that, I mean, let's say, you know, a, might be fussing over something that is really not going to be in shot. And it's sort of like, don't worry about that. Save that energy for something that's going to be seen. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tricks that maybe fashion designers don't use, like to make a puffy sleeve or make it last for several scenes? Or hmm, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but probably. I mean, sometimes quite often you have to think of things on the spot. You know, like something will go wrong, or something needs changing because of the setting, and you have to, you know, in that, in that instant, it might be the costumer who has to come in and figure out how to make something stand up or cheat. Yeah, there's lots of cheating that you do. Yeah, you know, you there's cheat? tape and clips and, you know, okay. all that sort of stuff. The things that don't get seen. Can you share some examples of how costume advances the character or the story? Mm, some actual examples. I mean, it's, it's really difficult because I think I could give any example of any character in any costume because basically what you're doing with a costume is making that character believable bringing that character to life. We're, we're, we've, we're given an actor, a body, you know, moving, walking, talking body. Um, they, have the, they have an idea of what, what their character is. Um, I might have an idea and then the conversation starts. Um, and the way that I work is I will try lots of different things on, and especially if it's an actor I've never met before, don't know. You have no idea what they're going to be like or what they're going to respond to or how they're going to move. You have to sort of see every little bit of them. Um, and I try lots of different things on. And some, you know, sometimes I have a rack of clothes 
I mean, let's say I'm doing a 1940s film. I'll go and rent a bunch of 1940s clothes just to try on, and it'll be different colors, different shapes, and then try on, and you can, I can do it really, really quickly. Put something on, someone say, nope, take that off, that's rubbish. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Let's, let's pursue that. Let's try something else that's similar like that. And then that way you can get an idea of what's working, what's not working, whether it's actually suiting the person, but more importantly, whether it's suiting the character. And it's, it's, a, bit like, it's a bit like you're searching for the character and that character comes the moment that character appears, and they do, the character appears in the fitting room. And there is a moment when you know it's there and the actor does. And that, that's, the, that's the moment that you're all aiming to achieve. And you really help them convey yeah. what they need to yeah. convey. And sometimes it'll be something that the actor hadn't been thinking of at all. Mm-hmm. And there was an example of, of that. On Gangs of New York, Martin Scorsese had a very definite idea of how he wanted Daniel Day-Lewis. And although he's playing a butcher and a murderer and a sort of, a, you know, a gangster, he wanted him to be a dandy. He wanted him to be a peacock. He wanted him to display his wealth. And, you know, be intimidating in that. I mean, quite often people who are, you know, beautifully dressed, they're a bit scary. They're a bit intimidating simply because they have that. So I had that in mind and I went away and we made, because this was a period film, there weren't things that I could actually, 19th century weren't clothes that I could actually try on him, especially Daniel, who's very long. Um, we made some sample shapes, some costumes to try on him. I met Daniel for the first time, who came in and got off his motorbike. He arrived at his fitting on a motorbike with leathers and got, and he said, well, it's a, I think, you know, Bill the Butcher is like, he's really slimy and dirty and greasy and sort of like you know and I'm thinking oh that's not, not exactly. what that's not that's not what Mr Scorsese thinks and I had to I had to sort of say well maybe yeah we could try that but maybe we could try this um you know Marty was sort of thinking it should be along these lines so he said okay so what we did was actually tried on the things that I've made and he put them on and went I can see that now. I can see that. I can see that this this road could work out. And that is what happened in the end. Wow. So it's interesting. I mean, he came in with one idea. I came in with another, you know, via Martin Scorsese. And it wasn't, it wasn't like we won him over, but, you know, he had to try the clothes on to actually understand this is where it's coming from. This is, this is who the character is. I love that. You have a very intimate working relationship with uh, the actors. They must mm. come to trust you very deeply. I think that's one of the most important things. I mean, that's what I always say is the most important thing you've got to do when you meet an actor is you have to get their trust as quickly as possible. Because if you don't, or if you lose their trust, it's really difficult to get it back. You're helping them do their job. Yeah, yeah, you are. But I mean, you know, we know that, <laughs> but, but sometimes you have to remind actors that that's what you're doing. But you know, when an actor forgets that they are playing somebody else, that they're not being them, you know, because, you know, everybody does it. You know, they'll put something on and they think, oh, this doesn't suit me. I wouldn't wear this. No, you wouldn't wear it. You're not wearing this. Your character is wearing this. You know, you're measuring them and fitting them. And- yeah, it's very intimate and you do get to know all their insecurities. And that's one of the things you do have to get to know pretty quickly. You need to get to know that really quickly so that, you know, you can help them. I mean, I would never make 
somebody wear something that they were really uncomfortable with because it's that wouldn't be fair on them that would be distracting for them i wonder when you're um you mentioned the hair and makeup do, are you in, responsible for the wigs or just what goes on top of the wigs or where no, does it start I, it and, used to be where does it start and stop do you know what in the old days um the costume designer did design the hair and makeup and the wigs but that's changed um and in some areas the costume designer gets a say in who the hair and makeup people are and mm -hmm. i'd like well i don't i mean i can't demand but i will certainly um i will certainly have an opinion about it and I will certainly offer up suggestions mm. of who I think it should be. I mean, sometimes the hair and makeup people come with the actor. You know, sometimes an actor has their personals mm. and that you can't do anything about. Um, but I like, where possible, to work with the people that I like the best. Because, we, you know, you, you develop a, a relationship that works well. And it's absolutely crucial that you get on with the hair and makeup, especially the hair people. Because, as you say, you know, the hair is... is and the face on top of a body that doesn't work is going to be crazy. It's got it's got to work together. The body's got to work with the with the head. And then even though the costume designer does the hats, the hats are always handed over to the hair department to put on the head. Oh, yep. okay. <laughs> they are yeah because they they has to yes they they if they if they need pinning then we can't touch the hair. But the hair person has to sort of pin the hat in if it's got hat pins or connect it to the head. And quite often, hats are designed to go with hairstyles, like Victorian bonnets, for instance. Without, I mean, there'll be a hairstyle that has to fit in to the brim. Yes. Or the bonnets where there's a long bit, you know, long sort of shape at the back. There'll be hair that goes into that shape. So you you very much have to work alongside them. Fascinating. You mentioned that there was a need for people to work with you. What sort of skills would you be looking for? You said that there's so many films in the UK and of course in Georgia, yeah. there's so many films going on, but what kinds of like assistance or other skills? No, would it's not. You be the people that we're lacking is tailors, cutters, the technicians. Yes. It's the technicians, mm -hmm. the, people, the skilled people. Well, we people. teach that. I was just wondering yeah, if that's exactly. something that we should emphasize a bit oh, more. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Because what we were just saying outside, I mean, a lot of people who study design at, at, at art school or whatever, I mean, everybody wants to be the designer, but only a few. That's right. a it's like the chef, the right? Yeah. <laughs> you've got the chef. But, but then also, can... I mean, I can, I can look at people or meet people and say, think, you're not going to be a designer, but you're going to be a fantastic supervisor or a fantastic assistant. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's as important and as valuable. Exactly. You need. And quite honestly, you get more work. Because mm -hmm. if you're good, you're going to get headhunted anyway. And mm -hmm. um, And us designers, we sort of, you know, I've got lots of costume designer friends and we share people, you know, you sort of say, you know. And if you recommend them, you, then you recommend them, yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, the danger them. is always losing your best whatever, your best tailor to another designer that keeps, mm -hmm. that's doing more work than you are. Mm -hmm. And how would they be qualified differently than if they did tailoring for a fashion house, for instance? No, it's the same. It's the same, okay. It's mm. the same. I mean, I suppose the only thing is, um, depending on how you, you know, what, what they're taught is like period, cutting for period. Oh, yeah. Is a little bit different from fashion, but not really. It's the same process, but mm -hmm. you just it's just a question of learning. I think once somebody's learned how to cut and how to look at a pattern or how to look at a painting and figure out, or a drawing and how to figure out how to cut that shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from do it. But a I mean, royal painting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
No, we're really lacking in, and, and people also do dyeing and printing. Yes. And, you know, textile work. Yes. And we have a big textile department. Yeah. Well, I'm going to emphasize that in the future so you'll have more people to choose from. Absolutely. <laughs> I really need that. I think the level of research and development that goes into your work um, is so impressive. The time that it takes and and how many people are on your team. Can you expand on some of the jobs? Um, you mentioned the tailoring and the cutting, um, aging and dyeing, I imagine, buying. The number I mean, of people in the mm -hmm, department, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, well, it will start with myself, the supervisor, and my number one assistant. And quite mm -hmm. often the number one assistant is somebody as who's been around as long as I have been. I expect my number one assistant to actually tell me what to do every day. That's, I mean, that's that's the kind of season I like. I mean, not in a bad way, but that remind me, okay, you've got to do this. You've got to achieve this by the by the end of the day, which means that I don't have to worry about writing lists and keeping notes. Perfect. I've got an assistant there who's like keeping track of everything and, and says, okay, now you've got to stop doing this. You've got to come over to see these people. You've got to see how this costume's got to go. You've got to go downstairs to see the dye room now. So that's that person there who's with me the whole time and has to remember everything I say. Because I, I rather than write things down, I just speak, I just keep talking and they have to remember everything. That's really crucial. The supervisor who is like the producer in the department who makes it all happen, makes sure that everything runs on track and on time and is coordinated as a, all the administration. Then we go further down, then there'll be some junior assistants and trainees and maybe somebody, you know, um, who work all sort of underneath the main assistant. So it sort of goes down in, in tiers. Then there are the buyer. The buyer is a really crucial person. And the buyer really is almost like the second assistant because they have to really understand what you're asking for. Hmm. I mean, I might just have a bunch of reference and say, right, I need fabrics. They're going to be in this world or this texture or this feeling. And again, working with a buyer that you know really well is so much easier because they understand your taste. And buyers, you know, everybody, all the all the other people in the department work for other designers. And it's interesting because they 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 when you hear them talking about how another designer works, I'm always really relieved that other designers work in different ways so that we're not all trying to do the same thing. But the buyer is really, really important because they're quite often responsible for bringing you things that you wouldn't even have thought of. So you might send somebody out to look for one thing. And my definition of a good buyer is someone who said, comes back and says, well, I couldn't find that, but I found this, I didn't which is, come which is not what you asked for at all, but isn't it amazing? <laughs> and that did happen on Gangs of New York, actually. Um, one day my buyer came into my, which is out like, looking for whatever, and she came into my office and she dumped this huge tent, army tent, on the floor. And I said, wow, what's that? She said, it's an army tent, but the colours are really great and the way that all the, you know, it's all run and it's all textured. It might be interesting for something. Well, that army tent turned into Daniel Day-Lewis's long, full-length coat that he wears Did in the Nandesi. Yeah. Wow. That's the importance of a buyer. Yeah. I didn't tell her to go out and find me an army tent to make a coat. <laughs> I was looking for sort of interesting fabric that would work. Mm -hmm. Wow. Fantastic. I heard you say that you only accept films that you want to see. Um, can, can you think of some of the ones that have been most satisfying to you upon completion that, that you would like to see? Um, well, I, I, my, my, I actually say that I would pay money to see that. See for okay. <laughs> so I would only work on a film I would pay money to see, which means I really want to see it. You really want um, to see it. 
A lot of them. I mean, the thing is, c completion, you don't know. A completion is once the film's edited, finished, and you've seen it. Maybe the second time, because the first time you watch your own film, you're not looking at it terribly um, objectively. You know, it's sort of, you're, you're looking you're looking at very specific things and thinking, I shouldn't have done that. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd done more of that, less of that. Um, the second viewing is easier. And then you could just watch it and sit back and think, okay, I'm watching this now. Um, no, there. Are, I find it easier to watch things several years later, and I enjoy them much more watching them several years later. And which one do you think really holds up really well? Quite a lot, actually. That's I'm insane, sure. doesn't it? Quite a lot. No, um, they must. Which one do I always enjoy watching? Well, I haven't watched that many recently. I, I keep thinking it's something I'd like to do. If there was another pandemic, God forbid, not that I really want one, but it would be quite a good thing to do, to just go through the back catalogue and watch them all. It seems an odd thing to do in your spare time is to watch your own old films. It's a bit sort of Gloria Swanson, isn't it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Not a bit. Not a bit. Do you want to talk about any of these beautiful, um, you know, sketches that we have here and the films wow. that... What we have here? Some of these are some of my favourites. I mean, okay, Carol there, yes, obviously. Carol. Mm -hmm. I think is one of my favourites. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Gorgeous. Um, it's it's almost like the perfect film. I mean, everything about it was perfect. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the the performances, mm -hmm. the cinematography. It was the combination of everything: the cinematography, production design, costume design, all in what you know was just the kind of mood of it. The mood, the mm -hmm. feeling. It was just beautiful. It was sort of you know the perfect film. That is one of my favorites, and mm -hmm. sort of new at the time when we were doing it. it was special. Sometimes mm -hmm. you do. Mm -hmm. Um, what's next? Wolf of Wall Street there. I had no idea about The Wolf of Wall Street. I kind of, it wasn't, if it hadn't been directed by Martin Scorsese, I probably wouldn't have gone anywhere near it. Because I read the script and I think, whoa, this is, this is kind of difficult. This is, uh, this character is so objectionable, so awful. <laughs> the only way it can work is if it's a comedy, which of course it ended up being, but you couldn't tell at the time when it was interesting. But I think it's a fantastic film. And I've actually, grown to like it more and more each time I've seen That's it. That's one that holds up well, I think. Yeah, yeah, it does hold up well. Irishman I haven't seen since it came out. Mm -hmm. That was that was epic. I mean, that was just, you know, extraordinary simply to work with all of those those people. Mm -hmm. Mary Poppins mm. returns. Mm -hmm. um, that's Lin-Manuel Miranda. And there he is again there. Um, waistcoats. Waistcoats. Well, <laughs> I've done many a waistcoat in my time. <laughs> Um, what's, what I loved about Mary Poppins Returns was doing those costumes, the painted costumes in the fantasy sequence. Mm -hmm. Actually making, um, I, the idea was to make the, the 3D characters look like they were painted by the animators, so it fit in with the world. And that really was, it was an experiment that thankfully worked out. Because I don't know what I'd have done if it hadn't, if they'd looked wrong. These are all spectacular, as are you. I'm so glad you came to spend some time with our students and share your expertise so generously with them and have a little chat with me. I really enjoyed getting to know you, Sandy, and Thank I hope you. you'll be back again and again. I hope so. I, I'm, I'm so sad this trip is so so quick. Wow. It's a lightning, lightning trip. Come back, and sometimes when you're in between projects, maybe just come and hang out here. We have a little cottage for you. you can really? Just, yeah, yes. No, yes. I think it would be nicer to have a little bit more time with the students because they're all so keen to ask questions. And there's so many of them. Because quite often you do those Q&As and, and everybody's frightened to ask the first question. 
and then they don't and then it's usually when it ends then you suddenly get bombarded people come up to you and start because they've got a bit braver and they start asking you questions and I could tell there were lots of people there still who really wanted to ask but they're all intelligent questions they weren't they weren't questions you know questions I hate are like what's it like working with Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) (laughs) none of those I hope you enjoyed hearing from Sandy Powell. You can see Powell's latest work in the upcoming film Living, starring Bill Nye and arriving in theaters on December 23rd. Thank you for tuning in to SCADcast and On Creativity, executive produced and hosted by SCAD president and founder Paula Wallace, with original music by SCAD alumnus George Lovett. We'll see you next week.